0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Cargo of Bricks, brought to you by Slugger Tools Reset Project and kindly supported by Ulster Bank. Now, what does Jurgen Klopp have to do with democratic renewal? Well, my guest this week is Richard Wilson, who spent most of the last 20 years as a democracy specialist, working with councils, governments and international bodies like the United Nations. And I started by asking him, what is the point of politicians,
1: We've, clearly we have this enormous crisis of democracy, and then I think in particular we have this crisis around the trust of our politicians at kind of pretty much every level. Um, and so, if we step back and think, well, kind of what is the what is the what is the point of um, politicians? So, is it about democratic legitimacy? Is it trust? Is it about just simply ena- enabling a good government? Um, is it about supporting better public debate? And no matter which, no matter how you frame it, the current setup is absolutely um not working the the stranglehold of kind of of political parties on how you want to do politics has been really really strong and i think i mean david runciman says that we don't have um representative democracy we have democratic representation and i think he's absolutely right but actually we don't really have democratic representation either i i think the old roles of like casework and this type of stuff and be sitting on committees and all these various things that politicians have to do at every level actually completely take their time away from the democratic representative role, which really most of us think that's what they're supposed to be doing. But those
0: things that you talk about, casework, which is basically helping constituents out, unblocking the system, uh, traditionally MPs and MLAs in Northern Ireland have played a key role for that, and much of their political legitimacy resides in what can you do for me? I mean, it's a materialistic kind of quid pro quo Um, but what and sitting on committees i mean bill committees are really the the core function at westminster of how um, laws get changed and how things move on how society moves on what is this other thing that you think they should be doing that will help them confirm the legitimacy of their representative role
1: yeah i mean look i mean so no one so i don't have an answer here I just have a sense of, I have ways of exploring to try and get get a better answer. Um, but I think so. I think fundamentally, you've got Victorian ideas of of, of representative government, which a hundred years ago were a step forward from where we were before. But, uh, that no, don't make any sense today. So I, so I think, so I, I even think, I think this idea that um, casework necessarily confers legitimacy, I would really challenge that. I think actually, if they were running digital. Um, Meetings every week with hundreds or maybe thousands of constituents that might generate an awful lot more legitimacy than doing the case with for one or two people. And anyway, as any of us know who've worked for politicians, the 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 amount of case we've got to do is absolutely vast. And and really, you know, th- there should probably be someone else to do that because it's such an enormous distraction from being a a representative. Um, so I, I think I think there's 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 a there's you know I think I think the bill the bill questions and the committee questions are also really really good. And my my hunch is is that we just need to look root and branch at the politicians and the support that's around them and ensure that they're able to play this representative function. Because if you haven't got the representative function working, which definitely hasn't, then then democracy doesn't work, right? It doesn't work. I mean, so I I would suggest that the urgency, given given that the democratic crisis we're in is so acute and given that in some ways politicians are the last man standing I and mean, we, we still do vote for our politicians, we still do think they are our uh, democratic representatives and all of the, the limitations of that system, if we can't begin to start to um, you know use digital technologies, use other ways of convening meetings to really enhance that representative democratic function, then I think we're in real trouble.
0: I mean, look, the classic statement of what representative... Democracy means, in the terms that I think you're trying to describe, is uh, the, the the Irish-born Edmund Burke, um, who, in his speech to the electors of Bristol, you know, said it was about exercising his personal judgment in terms of what uh, what that means. Um, but but in certainly in the Irish system, where we use um, a really rigorous form of proportional representation called standard um, single transferable vote system. Um, what that has meant is actually the guys who do the casework stuff, who put the constituency above the wider interests of the nation, are actually doing far better than those uh, politicians who are tied to a political party. or uh, and, a, and a political party, in a sense, is an attempt to address wider interests than just that of a single cons- constituency. What does a politician have to do in terms of um, approaching Maybe some of these new digital opportunities uh, to create the kinds of conversations that will bring those wider concerns more to the fore.
1: Yeah, so I think I think a lot of this is kind of about kind of humility and about this balancing between bottom-up and top-down and I think we can see in the COVID crisis this really brings to light so there, there are quite a lot of people who are like um, Brett Hennig from the Sortition Foundation has got a really good TED talk about getting rid of politicians entirely, going to like direct democracy um, and, I, and I actually don't think that's right, I think there's a real mixture of kind of um, bottom-up and, and top-down, so right now around COVID it's clear that we really need to understand the data in terms of um, you know the kind of health risks in terms of cases versus death versus you know behavior etc. We know that although in the UK now they made it illegal to have gatherings of, of, um, of more than six people. You know we don't want to enforce that with draconian authoritarian measures. We want people to abide by that. That's clearly bottom up. So the whole system depends upon this mixture of top down and bottom up. And I think the kind of the traditional ideas of representative democracy that you once you've voted in you go away and you have the autonomy to kind of make that kind of your decisions on behalf of your um you know your kind of grateful um, constituents that kind of paternalistic idea just doesn't make sense anymore because it's very clear that politicians don't have the knowledge or even necessarily that's not going to help in terms of having that ongoing kind of adult adult dialogue so that people can be able to make up their own minds have greater trust in the government um and when at the moment you've got a situation whereby our politician um uh, prime minister um Johnson has got 35% trust. I mean, this is is at the heart of why the the divisions that are emerging all over the place around COVID because people just don't trust our government to be keeping them safe.
0: One of the things that came out, I think, during the Brexit debate um, was that famous Michael Gove quote um, that people don't trust experts anymore. Mm. And, and, you know, and actually um, the idea... The governing idea, the driving idea behind Brexit was partly take back control. But beyond that was this idea of the people's voice versus the elite. Now, um, interestingly, um, I was listening to another podcast, the uh, RSA's Bridges to the Future, uh, which you alerted me to actually by, and there's some remarks there by Eliane Glazer, who's an author who's just brought out a book called Elitism, a Progressive Defence of Elites. And to some extent, what we've seen here through the COVID crisis is that whilst there's issues of trust in political leaders like, or it's kind of autocratic leaders like Trump, uh, Boris Johnson in the UK, we've seen um, trust in leaders such as the uh, New Zealand uh, PM um, rising. It, locally in Northern Ireland, the Minister of Health has come out actually as the most popular politician, even though he's the one who's basically giving all the top-down instructions. Uh, and that's being met by a degree of bottom-up cooperation so that you see these two things kind of um, meeting somehow there in the middle. Um and it seems to me it goes to it goes to some of what it is you're you're pushing for, which is this new relationship between politicians and people, which is more of a, a, a if you like a, a different kind of conversation.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. And I think you know it's get it. We what we want to be if you want to be in relationship and acknowledge the different powers we have in a situation, the different knowledges we have in a particular situation. I, I always remember. Um, when I went into a community meeting where I live in Stroud, and the MP at the time spoke about um, the situation around refugees, so there was a, there was a real desire amongst local constituents, particularly in the Labour Party, that they wanted to take in Syrian refugees. It was around that crisis. He was very experienced, working for a um, as a trustee, I think, of a local refugee um, organisation. Explained the challenges around that, and it was a really useful dialogue between meeting people's, you know, um, noble intention to want to support and house refugees and his explanation that actually that can't, that's sort of potentially not always the best thing to do for the refugees and that was that felt to me like a really good example of how we want politicians to function Then you could describe that as top down you could describe that as having a conversation with experts who've got long experience but of course there'll be people within our communities who have all kinds of expertise could be national expertise on you know, on I don't know chemistry, COVID, whatever it might be. It might be local expertise on on how to to look after the roads. But unless we can begin to really use politicians as a beacon and a way of bringing together the networks of of, of expertise we have locally, then it's it's got our our democratic systems are just going to be not just really outdated, but they're just going to feel like they can't support the kind of conversations we need because we need to trust our government because otherwise people won't abide by the the rules coming down. That's clearly a huge fear in the UK at the moment.
0: What kind of key skills do you think a politician really needs to bring to the party to make some of this digital engagement to work in a more functional way?
1: Yeah, no, that's really that's an excellent question. and I, I think it's... So often people will say things like they need politicians to listen better. Or they'll say that politicians need to say facilitate meetings as opposed to necessarily just chair them. Um and I think these ideas of using enabling language, being able to kind of uh, ask open questions, being able to know support people to kind of identify and acknowledge that the expertise they own ha- they have in relation to it are absolutely vital and i think often the, con- the people have often sort of said well you know you should use twitter more or you should use facebook more but actually i think it's not um about the technology it's about how one uses the technology and indeed there's just no doubt whatsoever that the viciousness of um public debate on social media has been a huge problem but i do think and you do see you know some leaders doing this that they, they kind of they step they refuse to fall into the kind of polarizing self-righteous debate and they they explicitly will kind of hold open questions or say, well this is what we think now, this might not be what's going to last into the future. And I think that it does take time for most leaders to be able to have sufficient um, kind of you know, credibility and trust amongst their followers to be able to start having them more and more. Because essentially what you're trying to do here in, in, in areas that are complex, could be climate, can be COVID, we don't, know the, we don't have the answers, right? We don't, we don't know when there's going to be a vaccine. This is the reality. And it takes real skill to be able to cover the custodianship of a dialogue to stop people actually um, falling into fear around that
0: so what what comes to me is this idea that Kevin <clears throat> Kevin Kelly the Californian futurologist has talked about which is that we're now living in a world where technology is fluid uh where where the conversation is fluid and almost never ending if you're uh daft enough to get trapped in a space like Twitter and can't get out of it um but, and if you contrast that back to the early twenty, I mean, we're sitting really in the very early part of the 21st century in which technology is simply going to move in this more and more unpredictable, more and more fluid direction. If you kind of take a snapshot back to the very early 20th century, I always think the quintessential story about how politics worked back then, and particularly international politics, is that, Teddy Roosevelt, who was um, a U.S. president of the Republican Party and like his namesake later on in the century, disappeared off for six days to go hunting with um, King Edward <laughs> of of uh, of the United Kingdom, and that losing the president for six days wasn't a problem that They had time to think and cogitate, not directly on the problems, because the machine of government was working that much more slowly. It didn't really matter. And the technology, the communicative technology, didn't demand that the president was always there to answer every last question that a politician... That, um, But we're in this other situation, which really means that we need to do some catching up. How do you create space for the ability of politicians to think... And if it can't be privately, then maybe it has to be publicly and that, that the, the new social contract between electors and politicians needs to accept both on the politicians' part that they don't know all the answers. They have some of them perhaps, clues I would say rather than answers um, uh, and that it's really about accepting that, that there's space for this bottom-up exploration of what comes next.
1: I think I think that's exactly right, and and the the image that comes to mind for me is kind of gardening. You know, it feels like the job of a of a really good twenty first century politician is to to you know to fertilise the local community discussions, is to garden it, to kind of nourish it, to kind of kind of get into kind of dialogue and conversation, to explore, to to collectively grow our if you like our local ecosystem, so we better understand what what works and what doesn't work. And I I think that there are multiple tools, both digital tools, but face to face tools. But it would actually just simply than how one has conversations. Whereby I noticed that most skillful politicians often um, refuse to be put into that role of um, having the answers. And, and, and apologies, I'm, I'm a he's not a politician, but he's a leader, and I'm a, I'm a Liverpool fan, and maybe I'm just biased because they've won the league. But Jurgen Klopp. I don't know if you have noticed, but he—he he has got who is the manager of Liverpool Football Club. For those who don't know, is a, is a German guy. But he's got quite a remarkable ability to refuse to be definitive. He said, "You know, we're going to try and win the next match." So, you know, he said, "Where are you going to finish from the league? I don't know. I'm going to try and win the next match." And he's, and he's all the time. He's got his, he, he, everyone really trusts that he's going to put his whole effort into trying to win the next match, and he and he was refuses to get into. You know, criticizing often other players, or and he, and he just tends to. I think he's a, he's a quite a good model of a leader of someone who's got a very clear goal in mind, but is really doing his best to refuse the kind of the the, the often the way in which the centre of gravity of public debate tries to take you to positions that are unhelpful.
0: That's really interesting, not least because. Of where it takes us back to, and if you look at the if you look at the at the history of civilization or modern civilization, it's rooted back in um, the Renaissance, and then followed by the Enlightenment. And one of the key figures between in the transition period between one, that first uh, rediscovery of classical, sorry, if we're getting a bit uh, off off the the political piece here, but um, is Francis Bacon who was, as well as being Lord Chancellor of uh, of England and having some say, I think he had estates in County County Cork, he also was really the progenitor of the modern scientific method. And that's exactly what you've described Klopp saying, is that refusing to be too definitive, too early in the game of discovery, um, was exactly what Francis Bacon's kind of legacy was and what really, uh, how the scientific method Grew, And this acceptance, I think, of provisionality, the provisionality of knowledge that we're actually looking for clues as to how to do things much better um, is perhaps something that we need to really take as we move from the televisual age to the networked uh, audience age, almost to go back and borrow from something both 400 years old and absolutely up to the date from uh, uh, premiership elite managerial uh, wisdom, so to speak.
1: But and I think so. I would what that makes me think about is, you know, definitions of democracy. So the way we think about democracy today, most people talk about, you know, democracy having kind of two roots, Athens and kind of either um, the American Revolution or the French Revolution. I much prefer thinking of it as a much older kind of idea of any culture where there's been an attempt to share power. I just think it's an awful lot more helpful, um, partly because it kind of honors the great traditions around the world that have tried to do that, but also because I just think it's a more useful way of thinking about what we need our democracy to do today. And if we're going to manage climate, if we're going to manage COVID, it requires action from all of us. It requires all of us to change our behaviors and kind of get in and engage with the issue. And I think this is one of the, the, the fundamental challenges of democracy now is that if we are entering into this era whereby we are not going to have authoritarian regime, which is definitely my preference, that means much more widespread engagement with the issues and taking responsibility. Um, and so it is about politicians creating these conditions for people to meet the issues we all face in, in ways that are digestible for them. And I think and there's a point that you mentioned before, Mick, that I thought was exactly right. Um, you know, the this is, a, this is a, I think it's ways a slow game, not a fast game. Or or at least we want it to be a slow game, not a fast game. You know, we're all constituents. We all live in our communities. And, you know, I've lived here for nearly 10 years now where I live. And the community is much much more stable than the political class. We are the institutional memory of... You no, know, of how we've tried to make things work for our communities, and I think that almost we need to reorientate the way we think in that way. So, so that it's, it's the job of the politicians and government to cultivate that institutional memory because we're going to be there when they've gone.
0: So, just to conclude briefly, um, there has been lots of really interesting stuff. I really like that idea of uh, using, you know, the German manager of Liverpool as a, almost as a as an exemplar of, uh, you know, the the idea that politicians should not present themselves as the font of all knowledge when we are living with more uncertainty, more doubt uh, in the face of COVID, but just in a digital world where everything moves so quickly. Um, so what's the solution? How should politicians move forward?
1: So I, I think the, the kind of genius of co-op is he's very certain about the goal, isn't he? Let's win the Premier League. It's like, take one game at a time. And I, I think that is kind of precisely the way in which politicians need to approach it. We need to be more legitimacy. We need we need to kind of solve these difficult problems. Actually, none of us know precisely how to do it. But I do know how to take step one, because we need to maintain the confidence and not slip into kind of fear within your constituent. So if I was any aspiring young politician, I'd be looking at, you know, all these different methods out there, looking at, OK, how can I? demonstrate this new way of being a new political leader because they all know if you speak to any politician, they all know the system's broken they they know more better than anyone and and it's not for me to tell them how to do it. So and I think those people that do that, you know, will begin to provide the exemplars, the, the Jurgen Klopps, if you like, of the political world that other people will be able to learn from and see that that's the way to do it. Um, and, and it feels to me like right now, with like Reece mogg getting everyone to come back to Parliament, very, very few politicians embracing digital at all when they can't meet anyone anyway. We're just missing this opportunity. And so somehow or other, I'm really hoping that one or two Politicians, could be at any level, could be in any place, embrace this. And um, I think they will be seeding and laying down what will become the, the future of democracy in the 21st century.
0: Cargo of Bricks is brought to you by the Reset Project in partnership with Ulster Bank. Bringing you innovative ideas to help aid Northern Ireland's economic recovery. Make sure you catch every edition by hitting the subscribe button wherever you get your quality podcasts.